This is Matt Ward of The Weigh-In, your home for combat sports. I'm joined on the phone with filmmaker and Academy Award winner Arnie Stone. Stone's film, Ali Miwi, was shot in 1975 in and around Muhammad Ali's training camp in Deer Lake, Pennsylvania, and Las Vegas. Arnie, thank you for joining me on the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Good to be here. I understand that you were a big boxing fan growing up. Can you tell us more about that? Okay. Well, I think it started. I, I grew up in an orphanage, and when I got out, I was third. I didn't know my father, but he was at my thirteenth birthday, and my present was a pair of boxing gloves. Oh. <laughs> so I then uh, I didn't know anybody in the neighborhood, so I started a uh, little boxing under the lights there at night, and uh, made a little reputation for myself. So. I then did a little boxing like at the, at the PAL, and um, so I always was a boxing fan right from the beginning. And um, I don't know, it was always there. I went to all the fights, every fight at Madison Square Garden when I was a kid. So I was a lifelong boxing fan. Awesome. Girl. And, that, and that, that's how it started. And uh, how it really got to Ali was that um, I think I was about 18 years old, and my friend Sid and I, we decided that I would be the Jewish hope. We took, <laughs> <laughs> we took a bus down to Miami Beach. I think we had about $26. And we went right to the uh, Fifth Street gym. Oh, yeah. And I took an apartment on East Sixth Street, right around the corner. And I went up there and we started, you know, sparring. Well, after about a day or two, I decided... Uh, yeah, you're a tough guy, but you're not that good. You stop boxing with the pros. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I remember who was down there at that time. Um, uh, Kenny Lane was a lightweight. Yama Bahama. Um, you know, and we sparred a bit and then got paid a few dollars. And um, I decided, nah, I'm not good enough. And that was my beginning of and and continued from there. And that's and how you uh at the Fifth Street gym. I had a really connection there. I really and lived in that neighborhood and I watched everybody, you know, uh, sparring and you know, so it, that that got me hooked from from the beginning. And speaking of the Fifth Street gym, I take it that's how you also met the Dundee family as well. Oh yeah. Well it was Chris Dundee who I met. I, I, you know. Yeah, I did. Awesome. Very cool. So, what inspired you to make Ali Miwi? Well, what it was, I had a uh, film production company. And prior to that, I was pretty successful. That company uh, folded, so I started another company. At the time, I had, it was a very low profile in the company. Mm-hmm. And um, when this came about, and I had the connection to get it started. Uh, I said, I think this is my shot at putting this together to raise my profile with something I have a passion for. And I was a big Ali fan. Mm-hmm. And and that just that drive uh, against all obstacles uh, started me on the film. That's what started me on the film. Tell us more about the steps that you had to take in preparing to work on this documentary. Well, in all documentaries, as you know, the, the hardest part is raising money. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally, 
on a documentary, when you have a, a sophisticated investor, they know that up front, uh, you cannot guarantee that they're going to make a profit on your film. So I knew that. And so in that way, I decided, you know what? I'll put every dime I have on the film. I took every penny I had and put it forward. Wow. Wow. Now, when I did that, I told the uh, people I worked with or people who were working with me, this is what I'm committed to do. People just volunteered. I want in on the film. Oh, okay. Okay? Now, uh, that's what created the crew. Nobody in the crew made any money. I paid all expenses at a hotel, uh, but everyone had a ball. Everyone wanted to be there, uh, and that was it. So, so in, in fact, as part of the film, my brother edited the film. In addition, that's another stone in here. <laughs> all right? Yeah, and yeah. It, the, ed- the editing is very difficult because we, ed- we shot it on 16 millimeter, and people in the day, you know, the film business edit on 16 millimeters. Right? But he edited, he edited it, and in fact, on that film, um, one of the people working on the film ended up was ended up as my wife after that. So oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so so this yeah. thing this thing was really a project of passion. From day one. All the way. Yeah. Because my passion to do it, I guess, got everybody hooked. Everybody was in. Nobody complained. Everybody wants to be there. That's awesome. One of those, one of those rare, rare moments. Right, Honestly, right. <laughs> I was in the film for 46 years. I never saw anything like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Did, did you have to get any type of special approval to work on this uh, film? From like Ali's well, family or corner or camp? Well, yeah, I had to. Uh, I went to Chicago and met with Herbert Mohammed, mm-hmm. and we had to discuss what who he had to sign off and approve of me doing it. Wow, which he did, and I, I think I instantly got along with Ali. And and Ali, yeah, I, I got along right away. Yeah. I was at that point not what I call a celebrity director, basically commercials. But my my career was always with uh, high end actors, sports people, and um, yeah, we just got along with the, right, right from the beginning. Very cool. Very right cool. From the beginning. Yeah, right from the beginning. Please tell us what Ali's training camp in Deer Lake, Pennsylvania, was like in the seventies. Well, it was, you know, it, it was a great place. It was in the woods. He loved it. You know, there were cabins, and he had, um, I mean, he had rocks painted with uh, sports figures named. Everybody come up there, and uh, he lived there in the camp. Yeah. And, and it was a day when the, uh, you know, the black Muslims were there. They they were there, and uh, it was just a place everybody came. And when I went up there, I. I um, did radio commercials with him. We recorded radio commercials. I did a TV commercial with him. Oh, okay, yeah. You see, so um, I was accepted there. Not as a prime player, but I was okay to move around in there. Yeah, you were a uh, familiar face, right? Yeah, but also when he did recordings, you know, uh, he didn't read copy that well. He was good on his feet, Mm -hmm. I think. May have had some reading disability of some kind. I remember whenever he was recording, I'd have to explain what it is. And so we always had that rapport on our recording.
recording session. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was um, unofficially, I'm okay. Cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what was it like for you to spend so much one-on-one time with Ali? I, well, yeah, I spent, um, you know, I remember walking in the woods with him talking about Joe Frazier. I didn't hear one word of animosity towards him. It never, not the way it was projected in those days where, you know, what he called, uh, it never was there in person at all. Mm-hmm. And Ollie had this thing, I, I was, maybe one or two people, or three people in my life I met like that, that you didn't know he was there, but he had such a physical presence. Right. When he walked into a room. And he could appear very large, and he could appear very small. He could appear very small, sitting down, quiet, and he could he, his presence actually felt which only one or two people I've met in my life that could do that nothing to do with boxing or anything just a physical presence walking into an area oh it's fascinating it, yeah yeah that, that that impressed me because you know I would in auditioning actors and stuff I was always aware of things like that so that, that, that would impress me yeah it's interesting especially a guy with so much star power and popularity um, to hear that he was able to do that is, is really fascinating. Uh, also, he's a very playful guy. Yeah. You know, he would, uh, you know, he, he, uh, hand spar with everybody, you know, joke <laughs> with everybody. Uh, what I noticed in the uh, in the gym at that time, I, I was just taken back in sparring sessions, how he let his sparring partners hit him. Oh, right yeah. Him, beat him. Uh, and you just stand there and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because he could take a punch, he did that in the end. I'm sure that detriment. But he, in sparring, he took, he let his sparring partners hit him a lot. Hit him. Yeah, it makes sense. Especially, um, it makes sense for you to say that that he was like that in sparring sessions. Because I mean, we've seen most of his pro fights. He he took a lot of damage in those fights. But he's a tough guy. Had a good chin and whatnot. Well, he had a good chin, obviously. But still, he he uh, even before he did the rope ago, even in earlier days. Sparring session. That's what I know. He just took. Why did he take so much punishment? Yeah, just, yeah. It makes you he wonder. Just, he, he just did it. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, you you talked about the people around the camp, but one of the things that I really enjoyed about your film was the way he acted around children. Um, can you tell us a little yeah, bit more about that? Very real. Very real. Yeah. He really like children. They love kids. Um, and. You know, one of the techniques where he always would get down at their eye level. You mm-hmm. know, get on as an easy lie on the floor. He never was towering over a child. He had a legitimate, really, to me, uh, warmth for kids and care for kids. That's yeah. what really came across. Now, when doing the film, when we started off, we were going to, you know, photograph the, the, uh, the fight, and it started off. And then when all that happened, we started to cut all that out. And, and, and stay with Ali the man and his relationship with kids as a person and we cut all the fight footage out oh wow and I, I heard um, uh, your son Drew told me that one of the things that, that ended up on the chopping block was some footage of him sparring with Larry Holmes can you tell us a little bit more about that no it wasn't footage that he, uh, we had I, we interviewed Larry Holmes oh uh, okay Larry Holmes was a sparring partner we didn't film that. No, it wasn't filmed. But at the time, that's what Larry Holmes was. He was, uh, you know, 
preliminary fighter at that point, and he was just a sparring partner and a kind of a friend to me. Yeah, a friend with uh, with Ali. Yeah, yeah, that's but, that's fascinating. But, but you know, when you talk as like people on the crew who wanted to be in, the people that were in the film, like Jerry Lewis and Jim Brown, all we had to do is ask them. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> and know, that that really people want. We had to stop people who wanted to be in. <laughs> yeah. Really, and, and you know, you know, Arnie, that that uh, speaks volumes of just the man and and really the person that Ali was and the respect that he had since just the star power of the people who wanted to weigh in or wanted to talk about about Ali in the documentary. Yes, and it was very real, very real. Yeah, that's fascinating. So when the film was was completed, what was Ali's reaction to the film? I never knew. Oh, really? I never knew. I know he, he saw it, and uh, I wasn't there when he saw it. We didn't screen it together. Oh, wow. It, it, it was, it was, it passed. It passed uh, Gavin Herbert Muhammad. It passed with the Muslims at the time. And uh, at that time, I approached, um, well, first I ran a by, first I, Jim Jacobs wanted to buy the footage on scene, and mm-hmm. uh, the fight promoter that he wanted it. And then I, when I contacted HBO, they started, well, you know, hassling with money. And I said, you know what? Put it on. I don't want it on. I don't want any money. I want it on the air. Right. And that worked out very well for me because the hassle and going on, and maybe they wouldn't have put it on. They would, you know, it, you know, like everything else. I said, put it on. They, they were shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, that worked out well. That worked out very, very good for me because that gave me the profile that I wanted. It was good. Everyone, everyone saw it. Uh, it had nothing to do with how much money I made. And that's what people don't understand about documentary filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever makes a documentary and completes it deserves a medal. Honestly, it's hard because it's hard to get a sophisticated investor because you cannot tell that person you are going to X, make X amount of dollars when that film is completed. Right. So you need people that are into the subject matter, who have a passion for the subject matter, and ultimately, yes, it, it can make. You cannot guarantee anybody on a documentary. Yeah. Unless you're a superstar, maybe, you know, nowadays. I don't think anybody really can on a documentary. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's really just echoing the the passion piece of, of making documentaries and, and whatnot. It's it's really a pure form of film. Yeah, it is. So you mentioned you didn't get Ollie's reaction to the film, but did did you ever cross paths with him again throughout your life? No. Ah, okay. And, and was this the only boxing film that you ever worked on as a filmmaker? Yeah, that's true. That's the only one. Wow. Well, I did commercials. I did the commercials with uh, Joe Frazier. I did uh, commercials with uh, Willie Pep. Uh, I did a lot of sport, all sports people. Um, I like Willie Pep. <laughs> yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about Willie Pep? I did, yeah, I did a couple of films with, with Willie Pep. And, you know, his record. I don't know if I have it right, where he won 60 fights in a row. 
seven in a row. He won over 200 fights. Yeah, phenomenal fighter. About 10 or 11. But here's what I do remember about it. We walked onto the set. It was a boxing set. And one of the things we did said, you know, nobody knows who I am on this set. Wow. That always got me. He was one of the most uh, famous people in the world in the 40s. Yeah. Right? And nobody knew who he was. That was interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with Frazier, I did a couple of things filming with him. He was a really nice guy, really nice person. Um, Never said a bad word about Ollie, nothing. He's just a really nice person. Yeah. He was a fighter. He's a he's he's a a very beloved figure in Philadelphia, where a lot of our listeners are from, and yeah. um. But he was but he was he was surreal. It was a real deal. Yeah, I, I filmed it as uh, I remember his uh, gym, and he has a little band, uh, and uh, I don't know, he's just just a really regular nice person. Yeah, his uh the building that his gym was in is actually still on Broad Street in Philadelphia. And it's now a uh, it's now a furniture store, believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how things right. change, right, Arnie? <laughs> yeah. Please tell us more about the conversation and or events that led up to you and your son Drew deciding to recently re-release this film. Well, this was done almost almost forty five years ago when it started. Right. So. Once it was done, and once it screened on HBO, in those days, it was shot 16 millimeter, and it went on to a three-quarter inch cassette. Right. And it went up in the closet with other films I was doing, stood there for probably 35 years, close to that. So what happened is that um, when I uh, closed the production company and dispersing the film, I said, you know, Drew, ooh, and Drew picked it up, and we found that, we found that it had no soundtrack. Oh wow! The soundtrack was gone, and it's in film. It was on an A and B roll. In other words, it had two separate pieces of film, and if it had to make it dissolve, one film dissolved the other. But we found it was an A and B roll, no print, no sound. And Drew took the um, soundtrack off the VHS and synced it up with the uh, and then um, the color correction and and it looked the film was pretty good yeah something was shot 16 millimeter 45 years ago yeah but definitely Drew, Drew brought it alive it was nothing to screen no it, we, the film didn't exist because only thing left was a cassette and uh, negative A and B roll wow that was it so he he resurrected it and put it back together and there it is which is great because when you look at it, you know, I look at it now, uh, 45 years later, it kind of holds up because uh, of just the human interest of looking at Ali the man versus the fighter. And, and uh, I think that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I'm sure people around the world are really going to enjoy it when it's released on October 1st to the public. Well, the, the, the purpose there is we want, um, you know, we're starting another uh, film. But that's not the pro- I, I we wanted to go out there as a tribute to independent filmmakers mm-hmm. and, and give respect that people work on that film because they love the subject matter and nothing to do with money. 
or right. anything. Everyone who was on that film wanted to do it, wanted to be there. That's interesting. I never saw that again. I did a lot of things in 46 years. I never, never quite had that complete um, cooperation in where a, a group of people got together that wanted to do this and uh, no compensation or no anything. Yeah, that, it's a, that, that's a great part. That's amazing. It seems like Ali had a, a truly great impact on your career as a as a filmmaker and a, a truly storied career, I might add. Yeah, I, I think so. Because you know, I, I, I really respected him um, as a person, as a man. And uh, and through that, like, uh, through the years, I, I mean, at the beginning, I was friends with Sylvester Stallone and Bite Scripts. And uh, I was always around there, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was not my primary function. I was running a production company, you know run a production company you do it you do a lot of different things right right did you uh, maintain your interest in boxing over the years that you were running the production company and whatnot even even as a fan yeah we went we drew we went to a lot of championship fights you know we go break side seats we would travel I, I used to go to Vegas and watch the fights uh, yeah I was always a fight fan up until recently you know it kind of dropped out now mm-hmm. but uh, always your lifelong uh, fight fans yeah yeah that's that's amazing that the passion has lasted your entire life um for for the fight game and for boxing as a whole well because in new york city yeah uh when you went to madison square garden in the 1950s uh i mean you just walk in the prices were not outrageous um I think I saw like Kate Gavilan forty times. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, that uh, legendary you know, fights, right? <laughs> all the fighters down in Madison Square Garden go all the time, or Sunnyside Gardens, or you know, really always, always watching the fights, always going to the fights. Awesome, awesome, Arnie. Uh, changing tracks a little bit here, but yeah. I understand that you're working on a truly stone family project um, about right. about Jewish people and the blues. Can you tell us a little bit right. more about that project? Well, essentially that, that in history, the Eastern European Jews who came over the United States, you know, in the early part of the 20th century, basically settled in New York and Chicago and brought with them uh, klezmer music, which was tradition. Klezmer music goes back over a thousand years. Right. And and the blacks coming from slavery and it settled into Chicago and New York. And there was a cross, there was a mix, there was an influence, but the perception is mostly that the Jewish music closely went Irving Berlin, George Gershwin, you know what I mean, to Broadway and went in, into motion pictures. But there's another level. Uh, and it, where the level really is now, you could say, what is the blues? Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think anybody can know what the blues. Now, uh, Drew went to Israel. Uh, he was invited there by a, a group, and when he was there, he uh, interviewed uh, uh, some groups, and it was a young group that really caught music, music, music. What's that? Music. Yeah, the music. Yeah, of course. And uh, he interviewed uh, a band there, and we decided that. The soul of the blues was that 
Nashville started to say that it's such an eclectic mix there now. Yeah. You don't, you can't say what, and that's the fascinating part. Wow. The influence that people uh, who we're going to interview, uh, and Drew will be on camera doing is like a, you know, searching for the answers. We have academias are there, the religious people, the bands. We we're filming at Masada, which is the, the holy place. We were filming there. We got rights to film there. And it's only a portion of film. Now we have to come back to the States and uh, continue. Wow. The search was a documentary. It builds on that. So, you know, and if he finishes it, we finish it, we deserve riddles. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing with, uh, with boxing, it, it always was there. You know, I, I remember auditioning. Uh, I never worked with him, like with Rocky Graciano, uh, with a lot of fighters who were going to be filmed, um, on and on. That's on amazing. On. Absolutely amazing, Arnie. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners? Very well said. Thank you very much, Arnie. It's a pleasure to have you on the show tonight.